And welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rubric Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt of papanoot.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman Ali of theconjurman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Angela Marie Horner of AngelaMarieHorner.com in Santa Rosa, California, bringing us today's topic on graveyard walking. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Ms. Cat and Conjurman Ali. Ms. Cat? Hi, Papa Newt. Well, Hello. nice to hear your voice. Nice to hope that things are nice in Nebraska. Yeah, getting colder. That's about it. <laughs> colder. All right. All right. Cold weekend, but it's going to get cold now. <laughs> Uh well, I hope you're all snug as a bug in a rug and doing well. I I follow you on Facebook in between the times that we talk on the radio, and it looks like things are going very well in your little world. Always staying little, busy, I get, projects, projects. <laughs> I see projects, I see little notifications of, of Mexican restaurants. I get every, every, I follow you on Facebook, buddy. <laughs> You go to a Mexican restaurant, and I get a little bingo alert about it. I know it's wonderful. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah, we're all we're all kind of connected in the ether. Well, I can report here that um, we are still digging ourselves out from under that crazy evacuation that we had to do when the fire, the Kincaid fire, was threatening Sonoma County, and they evacuated basically all of the northern part of Sonoma County. And we had to go to Marin County, and then, of course, we couldn't run the shop. And you've all heard this already last week because we're already back. But we're not dug out yet because you can't just take a week out of your life and just say, oh, yeah, we'll catch up in one week because you've got to go double double time to catch up. And that takes about three to four weeks to catch up for a lost week. So we're still working on it. We have had angry clients of our um, candle ministry saying, where are my candles? Where are my candles lit? Well, we've lit the first of your run, but you have another run, and then you have a third run, and sorry, they're not lit yet because we're still downloading orders. Well, then cancel them all. Well, okay, that's fine. I mean, why did you, you know, you had a, f- yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, when we, we make do with what we can, we're very unfailingly polite, and we do the best we can. But, um, so it's been pretty chaotic. And um, it's Mercury retrograde, um, and things are what they are. We've been we've been a little behind also on, of course, making products and packages for people, um, both making the things and shipping, because people who were evacuated didn't all come back on the same day, and um, it's just, it is what it is. 
And um, so I'm still unpacking some of the stuff I evacuated with. Right before we went on air, I I unpacked the um, the seven best butter pats, the, 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 the special butter pats from the special restaurant wear collection that always sit at under my computer. I can I can probably put fit one more butter pat under the edge of the computer. Um, the butter pats are there for me to look at and remember how beautiful things can be. They're all in um, fabulous, fabulous porcelain. What can I say? They're just pretty. I have the porcelain madness, and I love them. Um, I also unpacked my little uh, little containers that have fabulous stuff in them that I always keep by my computer, talismans, charms. And every one of them sits in front of my computer along with my crystal balls. And they all went into a, a big pillowcase together and went. And so I've only just now, today, just five minutes ago, un, unpacked all of that pillowcase. So we're slowly getting ourselves back together. Meanwhile, I've been working on two books. I've mentioned them before, and I'm not going to bore you with the two books because one of the books kind of brought up a topic, which brought up a topic, which, hey, it's Mercury Retrograde. And I found a project that I've been working on for 10 years. Um, it's online, but it's in a non-accessible web page. No one can see it unless I personally give them the URL, which I'm not going to do. And this secret private web page is a biobibliography. I know that sounds real sexy, doesn't it? A biobibliography of one of my favorite human beings ever. Um, and I've been secretly maintaining it and updating it. Well, his name came up in one of the two books I was working on, and I thought, damn, I really ought to update that thing. And so I started updating it, and I found a whole much more about this guy. This guy died in 1965. He's just one of my one of my heroes. And um, so I'm working on a secret project. I stopped working on the books because, hey, Mercury retrograde. I can stop anytime and not do anything. And I'm revising this secret website that probably only three people or four people have ever even seen um, to make it perfect and beautiful. And no, I'm not going to be taking it public. It's a secret website. So that's what you do when Mercury is retrograde. You spend eight to ten hours a day working on a secret project. So that's where things are here. I'm still doing my readings, of course. I'm doing readings for people, and I'm doing my work for the shop and all of that. But but I'm in the world of Mercury retrograde where nothing will come to light. By the way, did I tell you my Mercury is in the 12th house? (laughs) Oh, wow, yeah. (laughs) Conjunct my son. Did you know, Ali, that I have many secret web pages? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't. I will. I don't. And it. and you know, when you say that, people are thinking, "What hot and horny?" No, bio bibliography. These are secret bio bibliographies, right? I mean, uh. all right. So, how are things in your world, Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Things are things are great. Uh, I've been busy as, as usual. I actually am. Got some really good news. There was a reconciliation case that I were working. I've been working on for probably about four weeks now, five weeks mm-hmm. almost. And it was one of the, it was a difficult one for sure. This guy uh, was gone, um, but we just got some really positive news about it. 
communication has been restored and things are headed in the right direction. But there's sometimes those cases where, like, you get nothing for weeks and then suddenly the dam breaks and it all, mm-hmm. and like, okay, things are. So it's one of those instances where we were working on it for a good solid four weeks with no real clear indication other than the cards who I know it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, just be patient. Uh, but, but really, one of those people who have kind of dug their heels in. And so for four weeks, we just kind of had to go on faith and faith alone. Um, but finally got some good good news this week. Uh, context been made. So that it was one of those moments of going, ah, pat on the back, a little self-affirmation of after four weeks of going, man, we are really shooting in the dark here <laughs> and just taking a leap of faith that this is all going to turn out. Uh, all right, so that's that was kind of nice. It was a nice little moment where, uh, you know, you finally got a result after hard work, which is always nice. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I enjoy um, cases that, that that take a little bit more time. The court cases, success work, uh, life affirming work, reconciliation. There's a level of there's a level of uh, satisfaction that comes from once you get that victory. Uh, or once you get yeah. headed in that right direction. So it, it's been an interesting few weeks, uh, but now we've got some good results. That's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. You know, um, I I have had a couple of those uh, actually uh, turn around this week to people who I didn't do the work for them, but there were mm. two different people that I prescribed very, you know, complex work that they were to do for themselves. Yeah. And uh, nine out of ten people, when you tell them you got to do this and that and the other, and you write it all down and you tell them what to do, mm-hmm. and they don't do it. But these two women both did what I told them to do, and they both got the results they were hoping for. And they both oh, called back to make me uh, to make a, a very quick ten-minute reading with me to tell me, "Hey, yeah, it all worked. Thank you." So that made <laughs> me feel good. At, you know, meanwhile, I was working on my secret bio bibliographies. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, it really it was really gratifying to know. So it was a kind of a conclusion to much longer work for both of them, and they were both yes. rough cases also. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Those are those are those are very gratifying when you get it after kind of a a period of time. You get that mm-hmm. notification. Oh, look, things have improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, the gratification of love work. You know, we all talk about how it it it's not always there available to come mm-hmm. true immediately mm-hmm. but when mm-hmm. it does work it's really really feels good the other one kind it of does. work that i i just did had a recent case also was a fertility case um a woman who was you know trying to get pregnant and again i didn't do the work for her but mm-hmm. um i gave her prescriptions and psalms and things to say and um I had not heard from her. You know, people, you, know, you think, well, they'll never hear from them again. But I heard mm-hmm. from her also, and she is um, the happy mother of a child now. So that kind of stuff makes you feel really good, you know, that you've done oh, something yeah. to help somebody. Um, and I take my job as a teacher very seriously, um, teaching people folk magic as well as uh, doing the root work for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Today we have, speaking of Mercury retrograde, um, we have a callback, and that's what Mercury retrograde is for. Um, It's for fixing all those things that were messed up and getting them all straightened out again. 
Um, I know that by the time Mercury goes direct, end of the month, 20th month or so, we're going to be back on track at Lucky Mojo. We're trying to get the radio show back on track, too. We had a, a show scheduled with Angela Marie Horner called Graveyard Walking, and it was going to air right around Halloween. But we all got, you know, (laughs) evacuated. And um, uh, Angela got evacuated, we got evacuated, we all got evacuated. So we couldn't do that show. We ran a rebroadcast. So here is Angela to do that show, displaced in time. And yet, um, I have to say that, you know, Graveyard Walking... Uh, is not exclusively a Halloween event, and anybody listening to this five years from now can listen to it at Halloween, just remembering that was when it was designed to be. So I'm going to say hello to Angela Marie Horner. Hi, Angela. Howdy. Welcome. Nice to to have (laughs) you on the show again. And I know you also went through the entire evacuation crisis, um, and I know you're trying to put your... Life back together again too, because you also lost all everything for, you know, a week and a half, whatever of time that you'll never get back again. So how are you faring? Uh, are you taking on new client work right now? Um, I'm trying to get things straightened out first, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and then I'll look into taking on some of the new clients. Yeah. It's really um it's really been hard on all of us but uh, be of good cheer. I mean there's a you know I'm sure there's light at the end of the tunnel and it'll be at the end of November. Um we basically just got um just a piece scooped out of our lives all of us did. And it's not just you and it's not just me. Um it's you know it, it was hundreds of thousands of people. We're all coping with it. There've been articles in the newspaper about a little small store saying please come shop. We have no money. It's just your heart breaks, you know, um, because they, you know, they lost all their their, uh, income for weeks. So, um, but, you know, we're putting it back together. So what else is is going on in your life? What kind of work are you doing? What kind of root work are you doing now in playing catch-up? Well, playing catch-up, I'm having to finish a lot of the projects that I got started right before... You know, right before I had to to leave, you know, I come back and I'm like, oh, that doll is half finished or, you know, Mm -hmm. I come back Mm -hmm. and, you know, oh, I have to, you know, do this, that or the other. So I've just had, I've had a few small fixes and they're done now. I mean, it's kind of, kind of stinks to have to try to do it in Mercury retrograde because (laughs) I'm not supposed to do certain things during then. So yeah, right. I'm I'm yeah. worried that I may have to scrap the whole project and start all over again. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's really um there's a lot there. That's why I said I I I just jumped off these books that I was working on and I said I'm just going to go back to this secret website project that nobody knows about that I've been working on for 10 years and I'm just going to throw my heart into it until Mercury goes direct and then I'm back on mm-hmm. cuz why not? Because you know, there has to be uh, and I know there's people who laugh. They oh, Mercury retrograde, you're just self-sabotaging. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I know that's not true. I've lived long enough and been around long enough <laughs> to know. This is not one of those hardcore uh, printers catching on fire and computers blowing up Mercury retrogrades, by the way. 
Mm-hmm. This is a kind of a nice one for pickup of old work. Just saying. I, it's So far, I haven't had... Oh, no, that's not true. I lost that four hours worth of um, typesetting. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I lost four hours. Yeah, I've lost four hours worth of typesetting going from one computer to the other over the network. And oops, it just it said it saved it, but it wasn't there. And the auto backup, which was set to save every five minutes, oops, had been turned off because when we evacuated, all of the settings on everything went into different computers and they had different settings. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. Mercury retrograde. Yep. Yeah, I got pretty hot under the collar about that, but you just have to grin and bear it. Well, yeah. let's get to our topic. Um, I'm glad to know that you're pulling it back together again, Angela, because I know it's been hard for all of us, and and I know that you know Ollie and Papa Nude are just going, "What are they talking about?" And half the <laughs> people are saying, "Ah, oh, stop, stop belly aching already." But it's really bad, okay, guys? It's it really is. bad, and we're yeah. all doing the best we can. So let's get to talking about graveyard walking. So um, graveyard walking, uh, and as I always try to introduce these topics, um, there are people from different cultures who have different attitudes about graveyards based on what culture they were raised in. And some cultures find graveyards to be spooky and horrifying and you're not supposed to um, get involved and it's just not supposed to ever happen. And there are other cultures to which in which graveyards are a part of mm-hmm. the culture, and one is um, encouraged, actually, to um, even picnic in the graveyard. So having said that, everybody's different, and you cannot convince a person who's afraid of gra- graveyards to love them, and you cannot convince a person who loves graveyards to be afraid of them. So don't even try. You just say, you know, it's like, you know, do you like cilantro or do you not like cilantro? So this is mm-hmm. for people this is for people who like graveyards. So take it away, Angela. Tell us what you know about graveyard walking. Well, so what I've learned about graveyard walking because my folks were the ones where, you know, graveyards are in in scary movies and you don't mm-hmm. mess with that kind of stuff because they're terrifying and you're going to bring evil stuff home and yeah, I've been, I'm I'm so over that time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But um <laughs> What we do, what I do for graveyard walking is I usually take my dog with me. Um, there is a graveyard in Oakland that is a, a park, and you can walk your dog in the park. And there's a graveyard uh, near or closer to me in Santa Rosa that's a park. It's the old, I don't know that street, but it's the old graveyard out here, um, mm-hmm. the old side. You, you probably know what street I'm talking about. I don't. I can't remember the name of the street for the life of me. I don't know the name of the street, but I know the I know the graveyard you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I'll usually go there. I've got I've got a couple of um, quote unquote friends, you know, spirits there. I call them friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of there's a little girl that was buried out there. I think she died of typhoid or something. And I'll usually go to the graveyard when. Like either right after I've cleaned my cards or right before I clean my cards. And I'll, you know, go and sit with them, talk to them, hang out with them. I haven't been in a while recently, you know, the fires and busy Mm -hmm. and all that great stuff. But um, I usually use it to sit and charge my cards. 
Hmm. Hmm. And what do you mean by charge your cards? Well, what I mean by charge my cards is um, like when you meditate on your cards, you clean them mm-hmm. and you meditate on them and you, you work, you, um, there's some, some many different subject, many different things you can use to, you know, I guess, I don't know what you, I don't, I'm not sure how to say it, how to charge your cards. You, um, uh, I'm not sure how to say it. <laughs> well, let me let me ask what you mean. Do you call a spirit into the cards? Do you um oh, no. call upon heavenly assistance? What is what does that mean or do you put your own mental energy into it? Uh, I put a lot of my I put my own mental energy into it. Um I dedicate them to the goddess I follow. I Mm-hmm. You know, talk my my dad has been recently helping me a lot. He's passed on. He he helps me mm-hmm. a lot with my readings and my cards and such. And he mm-hmm. he has an attitude sometimes. You know, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he does mm-hmm. not appreciate the but I love hims <laughs> because my dad was well, a really good man. That brings up a question to me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh This is something interesting. Um, your dad is deceased, but he's not buried in Santa Rosa, is he? No, he's buried in Detroit. Okay. Mm. So this is what I call graveyard Wi-Fi, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've found that when I go to a graveyard, very often I can connect with other spirits of the dead who are not buried in that graveyard. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I used to call it graveyard telegraph. Now I call it graveyard <laughs> Wi-Fi. Um, Ali, have you ever f- had that sense? Yeah. Well, I, I view graveyards as all kind of one kingdom, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the kind of individual graveyards you go to are, are kind of uh, little doors into that. And so there mm-hmm. is, and there's a kind of older tradition of calling spirits from other. Uh, graveyards or from far away into the graveyard you have access to. Uh, you use unspecified graveyard dirt, for example, to call in ancestors. Uh, so people who create some type of ancestor work are only to ground it. If you're far away, the best is to get to the ancestor if you can. If you can get to your mm-hmm. ancestor's graveyard, that's the best approach. If you can't, then you can go to your local graveyard, gather the dirt from an unspecified grave that is a grave that doesn't belong to any one person, just general dirt uh, and call their spirit into it and they will respond. There's a way, there's something about graveyards that allows them to connect as you kind of noted with your, with by calling it graveyard uh, Wi-Fi. Um, so there's mm-hmm. definitely uh, something there. I haven't uh, done a lot of charging work uh, at, at graveyards myself, but I have, like Angela has, has mentioned, done uh, divination work there. Um, and in fact, there's an old uh, tradition of uh, if you don't have the skill to read, you can gain the skill to read by visiting the graveyard of a reader mm-hmm. and spending the night uh, either laying on top uh, or trying to read on top of the graveyard of a reader and therefore kind of transferring their ability or asking them to transfer the gift to you. Uh, it's an old kind of uh, way of working to develop this, the sort of psychic skill needed for readings. Mm-hmm. 
that's yeah, interesting. And you, I had heard of that one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, uh, this is um, uh, this goes back a long way. Um, I was taught this a long time ago that if you wanted to gain the power of a root doctor, not just a reader but also mm-hmm. a root doctor, you could lay on their grave. Um, but you had to lay there mm-hmm. all night. You had to sleep on yes. their grave all night, and yep. you had to ask for that some of their power to be transferred to you. And if you got their consent, you would sleep on their grave, and then it would it would come into you. There's a similar thing, and this comes out of um, European uh, folklore, where you can steal a bone. It's called stealing. You you dig and find get a bone of a person who was a powerful sorcerer, root worker you know, mm-hmm. cunning man, um, a troll worker, and you can use that bone, but you are supposed to return it when you're done with the job. You don't keep that mm-hmm. bone. It's not a trophy. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. And you then take it back. You say, I borrow, I'm borrowing this bone. Um, mm-hmm. And then they will help you uh, by means of that bone, which is their bone. And then, then you have to go and bury it back again when you're done or bad things will follow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Namely, mm-hmm. they'll be haunting you to get their bone back, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, again, that's a different culture, and every culture has their own ways of doing things. Um, I I like um, walking in graveyards and reading the inscriptions. More of a sort of the what I call mm-hmm. the social media aspect of the graveyard. <laughs> um, you know, you find out who is related to who who was um, loved, who was not loved. And you can um, get to know people just by reading those inscriptions as you walk around. You also can find out if the graveyard is active. And what I mean by active is, do you feel a lot of spirits calling out to you as you walk, or are they all pretty much asleep? Um, Are they happy? Are they sad? Um, By walking through a graveyard and taking your time, um, reading the inscriptions, and you can begin to sense the neighborhood, if it, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. And an active graveyard um, is one that is very lively. Um, there are very many spirits there who can be contacted. A sleepy graveyard, sometimes they're all asleep. They're just like, well, we're just yeah. sleeping. You know. <laughs> and they don't ask to be picked up. Sometimes you'll find that in small family graveyards where they're all related to each other and they all died and they all got buried together and they're having their own little thing. They're not going to be working with you, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. This is why I tell students who are just starting out in root work, before you ever go gathering graveyard dirt or burying anything in the graveyard. If you're starting, you should build a relationship mm-hmm. with a graveyard or a cemetery by walking through it. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of one of the early steps. I always tell clients or students that are just starting out that that's one of the first things you should do. Maybe not the first thing, but one of the kind of things you do earlier on. You kind of walk through the graveyard and you find mm-hmm. your graveyard, the one that speaks to you, the one that you find a lot of spirits that are willing to work with you. Don't just go in there uh, straight off the bat looking for a transaction, right? That can, mm-hmm. you know, that's not wrong. There's nothing inherently wrong in doing that, but it's not always going to work out. Uh, and you can't just go in in this kind of state of, like, I'm just going to bury this and run away. There's, there's, an ele- there's an art to it. There's a relationship-building component to it. Uh, so finding one, a graveyard that vibes with you, is a really powerful source 
uh, for you as a root worker, as a young aspiring root worker. Walk through that graveyard. Listen, and as you said, read read the names. Read what's written on there. That's where you'll get some insight. Something will flash all of a sudden. Just kind of walk through and let yourself be guided. Like, you know what? This isn't the graveyard for me. Or, oh, this is exactly where I need to be. Um, and you'll find that if you do that first and then you go to bury whatever you need to bury or gather whatever graveyard you do, it's going to be a much easier and much smoother process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like what you said. Um, don't wait until you buy a spell kit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It says, bury this on a graveyard. And you've never been to a graveyard. You don't know where the graveyards are. Or you don't know, you know, and you freak out. And now I've got this thing and I can't bury it. And, oh, my God, what am I yeah. going to do? I'm going to call Miss Cat. I'm going to get on the Lucky Mojo forum mm-hmm. and ask Miss Cat what to do. And there's no graveyard near me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, too late. Um, you need to start with the beginning, which is if you're going to be a root worker, most root workers have some contact with the dead. Not all. There are root workers yeah. who have no contact with the dead. You don't have to be. And as I said before, I can't convince anyone to work with the dead, nor can I convince them not to. There are some uh, African diasporic religions in which working with the dead is obligatory. But that is not true in hoodoo, which is secular as well as having a religious underpinning. And I'm going to just quickly talk about why there is a difference there. Um, Among different Christian um, denominations, there are different beliefs of what happens after death. Some believe, and there's probably a piece of the Bible where people can find proof text for every version of this, but some say the dead sleep and know nothing, and others say, oh, well, you know, the dead are down there in burning in hell and asking for drinks of water, or the dead are in heaven. And um, and there are some who say, no, no, the dead sleep until the judgment. And these are the things from which Christian denominations are made. And since most hoodoo mm-hmm. practitioners have a familiarity with, if they do not currently practice Christianity, but most do, they're going to have a denominational look on it. However, they might actually go against their own denomination. And people say, well, how could that be? Mm-hmm. Well, just like there are Catholics who use birth control, there are Baptists who speak to the dead, even though it's not a Baptisty thing to do. So um, in dealing with African-American folk magic, we're not dealing with a hierarchical top-down system like a, mm-hmm. an African diasporic religion that says you must have your muertos lined up in your, you know, no, 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 that's nothing like that. You don't want to, you don't have to. So don't let anyone tell you what to do with the dead, with your ancestors, with anybody's ancestors, or with the dead in general, because this is going to be partly your own uh, path to walk. Now, if you come out of a family tradition that has a lot of tradition and says this is what we do, do this, then do it. Mm-hmm. But if anything we say here feels uncomfortable to you, like me talking about lying on a grave to, to get some power as a root worker or a reader, if that sounds freakish to you, don't do it. Okay? Just that's it. it it's going to have to be more than most parts of, of hoodoo. The traditions come from different backgrounds, different, um, you know, Native Americans think different than and Africans, Europeans think different, and Jews think different, and Hindus think different, and Muslims think different, yet they're all Americans, and you're not going to find mm-hmm. one way to do this. Even in the African-American community, there's going to be a lot of differences. 
So mm. rest easy. You don't have to make a, a choice, but think about it. But the time to um, the time to do it is before you get that spell kit that says bury this at a graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, if you're going to do it at all. My um, <clears throat> my father's born uh, buried in Detroit, like I had said before, but I got to visit Detroit, and I took a small jar of his dirt and brought it home. Mm. So mm-hmm. I have one of his favorite cologne jars, favorite scent of cologne. I was so worried because when I got there the graveyard was flooded and it mm. smelled like death. It was nasty. And I did not want to, I didn't know what to do with it. So I went ahead and I just put it in the little jar anyway. And I mm-hmm. know that my dad approved because all I can smell is his cologne. I cannot smell mm. the putrid dirt. All mm. I can smell is his cologne. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. And that is something also that, we talk about a lot bringing graveyard dirt home and yeah, after yeah. after a walk in the graveyard there are many people um and, and you know there are many people who bring graveyard dirt home just as nowadays is more common to have someone cremated and to keep their ashes in an urn mm-hmm. that's um there's an old blues song I'm going to start me a graveyard of my own. I know that Shiva knows that song. It's a comedic uh, song. Um, but it, it, in a sense, you are with your pet's ashes in those little pet mm. urns and grandma's ashes in one of them little grandma urns. You're starting you a graveyard of your own. And a lot of people mm-hmm. do that. And um, there are people, there are families where they'll buy for one gra- grandma, she had six grandkids. They'll buy six little urns, and everybody gets a, a bit of it. So, um, of course, some people don't want it, that they don't take it. But that's a, a whole part of this work that is modern, but yet falls into the realm of folkloric. Wouldn't you say, Ali, that it is folkloric to do it that way? Oh, yeah, certainly. There, There's definitely deep, deep folklore connection there. Um, uh, one of the things that I, that I tell clients and students about walking at the graveyard, it's just an element of familiarity, right? You, there's something about telling people, and perhaps it's our modern sensibilities about, hey, you need to go to the graveyard and do this, that it brings up a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear, and not just fear of, of the dead, and fear of ghosts, but fear of getting caught. There's this idea that you're mm-hmm. not allowed to be in the graveyard or you're visiting for some reason. And so, um, what if I get caught? What if I'm, they see me burying that thing? What if they see me gathering the graveyard dirt? So this is why uh, graveyard walks can be uh, really useful in helping to overcome that. Before you actually go to gather or bury or whatnot, walking in it can help alleviate some of that anxiety show you that this is just an, another place. There's a great deal of spiritual power there, but there doesn't need to be a lot of anxiety about it. And it helps you kind of lay, look out, lay out the land and plan in advance. I like planning. I like going and knowing where I'm going to head to and where I'm going to bury and who I'm going to work with. So this is always, it's always a good idea to kind of help to avoid those, those elements of fear and anxiety that are associated with graveyards. And one way you can dispel it is by doing regular 
or at least uh, some walks through the graveyard to help overcome that. Because there is, there's a lot of cultural baggage, there's a lot of kind of weird social baggage that gets associated with graveyard, and that can be dispelled with some level of familiarity. Uh, mm-hmm. And so become, get get familiar with it. Get familiar with your local cemetery. Get familiar with your local graveyard. Become a normal presence, even for for the people who work. Like, oh yeah, that, that person comes by once a week or every couple of months, and and it becomes not a big deal. Mhm. Yeah. Well, where I live, there's a graveyard right down on the road, the only road into town. Mm-hmm. Well, one of two roads into town, but the only road into town from the south, and. Um, and every time we go by there, uh, you know, I always mentally or physically just, you know, give them a little wave. I know those people up there. I'm not mm-hmm. um, one mm-hmm. of those people. My family did not um, was not here in the 19th century or early 20th century. Um, nobody I know has died and been buried in that graveyard. But I feel like I know them. I feel I feel close to them. Yeah. I've walked that place many many times, and so I always say hi to them as I go by. I don't know what they would well, think of me, but um, you know, that's it. But, but I like them, and they I think seem I to get along well with you're, me. You're, you're talking about actually. Yeah, Forest View Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's yeah actually, and you can see it right from really the road. It, it's very pretty. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, there is our music. Um, um, Covet Gift asked, Victorians would pick a picnic there. When did that change? It's never changed for some people, Covet Gift. That's the thing. Yeah. For some people, so, it never so. changed. Yeah. Uh, but for others, um, sure, it has changed. Urbanization is the answer to that. Um, all right. Well, let's turn this over to Papa Newt. We're going to do a reading for somebody. And um, let's see what happens. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, Angela Marie Horner, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our call-in clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select uh, callers by their area code, and if your your area code is is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Papa Newt, read a brief description of your situation before turning over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller, and our first caller is calling in from uh, area code 810, which is a a Detroit uh, uh, area code, Michigan area code, but they're living in the Bay Area. This is Iridescent Dragon. Iridescent Dragon, are you there? I'm here. Hello, <laughs> Hello and welcome. I see that you, this is your first time calling into the show. Is that correct? First time getting through. That's right. Oh, well, wonderful. And thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Now, I see that you have not gone to uh, any other uh, readers with uh, with this uh, situation. Is that correct? No, that's, that, that, that is correct, yes. Oh, thank you. And Iridescent Dragon writes, I feel spirit calling me to work in the realm of spirit, and I am so confused. 
I worked in, I worked in a, I work in a difficult agency and I have a, a ton of student debt, but I feel the call of a spiritual worker. I need guidance. Turn back to you, Miss Cat. All right. Well, hi, Iridescent Dragon, and what a lovely name that is. Um, may I ask you a few questions? Absolutely, Miss Cat. Okay. Question number one: What is your sign of the zodiac? Um, Pisces, uh, Virgo moon. Pisces with a Virgo moon. And, um, about how old are you? I'll be 40 on the next solar return. So almost 40. Okay. All right. So this is not something that you're not like a teen witch. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) believe me, uh, we get a lot of teen witches around here. And one of the first things we say to them you know, make sure you you're not using an interest in spirit work as a way to avoid mundane work. You know, because mm-hmm. spirit work contains mundane aspects. All right. Now, I'm going to. Um, you say you need uh, guidance, um, and I guess there are two ways I can look at this. I could read cards for you and say, "Are you really gifted?" But I don't actually even have that question. So I'm not going to read cards for you. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, somebody else can read cards for you, but I'm going to actually try to give you some guidance. And these are questions and things that you should think about and write about, write them down as we talk. So just I'm just going to give you guidance. Number one, and you can answer these questions out loud if you want, but you don't have to. But ask yourself these questions. Have I ever had a dream that comes true? Have I ever been able to look at somebody and know that they're ill before someone told me they were ill? Have I ever looked at a person's photo and knew what they were feeling when they when that photo was taken? Have I ever walked in a graveyard and felt spirits talking to me? Have I ever um, held touched um, plants and felt that they were offering help in some realm, either medically or magically. Can I look at a pile of roots, just say John the Conquer roots, or a pile of lucky hand roots, and know immediately which ones are hot and filled with spirit and which ones are nah, nah, not so great? Have I ever, or have you ever, um, been able to hear a voice that tells you what somebody needs to know. Just a voice says to you, you know, be sure to tell someone so that da 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 da. Have you ever seen without being present what is happening to somebody and felt I better call them right now? And when you did, were you right? Have you ever had a tool that you've used to do readings, playing cards, tarot cards? Have you ever tried a pendulum? Have you ever worked with a dowsing rod? Have you ever worked with a crystal ball? If yes to any of them, have you tried a second one? Just for drills. Just try it. Have you ever done a magic spell for your own good? In other words, something to get you what you wanted, whether it was love or luck. If it didn't work, did you give up or did you try a different spell for the same topic? If that didn't work, 
did you try a spell for a different condition or subject? Did it work? In other words, have you ever had success? And if you had, can you identify where you've had the most success working for yourself? Have you ever done work for a family member, with or without telling them, so-and-so's sick, I'm going to light up a prayer candle for them, hope that they get better? Have you ever done work for somebody who asked for you to do the work, for someone who said, I don't know what it is about you, but I think you're a witch? This happens to a lot of young women, by the way. I, I when I was, I, mean, I heard a little giggle over there, but that was Angela. Um, people just come up to people come up to me in school. Well, you're a witch. Can you help me? I'm like, what? I never had an out of shingle, but whatever. That, but has that ever happened to you? And if so, did you offer to help people? Do you have any um, idea? about earning money with this. You have another job. You work, you said, in a difficult agency. Um, Could you split your time and start doing readings and root work for people after work as a part-time job? Or do you feel like you must quit your job where you are right now? Um, Footnote, not recommended. End footnote. If you can work for people part-time, Then, do you work intuitively or do you have a teacher? If you have a teacher or teachers, can you spend more time with them? Can you take cases to them and say, listen, this person came to me who wants help with this. What would you do? How do I help them? What what should I do? If you belong to a religion that requires a formal initiation before you are able to be a reader or spirit worker, are you willing to undertake that initiation? If you are interested in spirit work that we would call more folk or ethnographically based, in which there is no formal initiation, are you willing to take a day, some day, some week, some month, some year, and say, today I'm a spirit worker and I'm going to be doing it? that you have to make some commitment there. If you can do that, then can you get a business card? Can you get a Facebook page for your professional self? What will you be offering? You can start, if you feel insecure, by offering free readings. I do free readings, you know, blah, 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 so many times. There have been people in the chat room of this radio show, which has been going since 2004, who are now professionals who started off just by being in the chat room and listening. And some of them went on Facebook and said, well, I'm now offering free readings, and I'm offering free root work. And they did that for about six months to a year before they began to charge. Are you willing to do that? Um, If you need schooling or teaching, can you take a course Uh, I teach a course in root work. Um, Lady Muse of House of Self-Empowerment takes on students as well. There are many courses that are offered, and you can study. If you feel that it's not something you want to study, you just want to be working from personal gnosis or from your own inner self, are you prepared to stumble and fall a little bit without a teacher? So those are the questions. You can go back and listen to them. I think they 
they wrote down some of them, chapter number 15. I think there were a few more. But um, those are the questions that you should ask yourself. And the guidance I offer you is just simply to outline those questions to you. And if the answers to these are positive and you see a path forward, then by all means, start walking that path. Start today. So that's my reading for you. Now, I'm going to turn this over to Angela, and I think she's probably going to give you a more conventional reading. I hope maybe not. Maybe she's just going to give you more advice. We'll find (laughs) out. Take it away, Angela. (laughs) Okay. Um, No, that wasn't me that giggled before. Oh, it wasn't? No, I think it was her. I think it Ah, was our little dragon. (laughs) Ah, Okay. Okay, so um, as far as guidance goes, I guess I will look and ask the question of, you know, are your spirits, are there spirits looking for you? And that's why you feel spirit-led. So I don't have a very nice reading in front of me. So the first one is the torturer. And the torturer Mm -hmm. is a card that means unnecessary torment. So this question is keeping you up at night. This question is bothering you. You're getting woken up by what feels like spirits in the middle of the night trying to, hey, do this, hey, do that, hey, do the other. Part of it is because you don't have you ha- don't have the training to have your shields up. And the other part of it is you are being called. You may not be being called by the nicest of spirits, but you are being called. Um, the second one is the ghost. And the ghost <laughs> means... Pardon? I'm sorry. sorry. I'm just giggling. I'm going to oh, okay. myself on you. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. The ghost means issues of the past. Something happened in the past. Someone passed away that you were close to. Something, some traumatic event. Something happened in the past that connected you to the spirit realm. And... I mean, it could have been something pleasant, like, you know, you got to hold your grandmother's hand as she passed away, and you guys got to say goodbye. It could be something horrible, as in you got into a car accident and were dead for a few minutes. Something connected you to the past. To the Something from the past connected you to the spirit world. The last card I have, I really don't like pulling, it's the horseman. In my deck, the horseman is the death card, the death of a person the death of a situation, or the death of a relationship. Uh, In this case, the death of a person could be connected to the ghost saying, this person specifically that passed, you know who they are, that's who's coming to you to try to talk to you. Uh, The other meaning of the horseman is death of a situation. So it's telling you, you need to, oh, I can't think of a nice way to put it, you need to get up and act. Or, you know, stop stop messing with it. Um, death of a relationship could be death of a job. It could also be, because a job is a relationship, it could also be kind of a threat from the spirits telling you if you don't step up and do something with this, it's going to go away. So then that's my three cards. And I would say definitely don't quit your job. Definitely take on some part-time personal work. Um, Being a root worker myself and newer at helping the public, it's best to have your foundations 
steady under you before you go trying to take on somebody else's problems. Does that help? <laughs> wow. Yep. And kind of everything I thought. So that definitely okay. confirms uh, a lot of stuff. All righty. Well, now we're gonna now we're going to go to Contraman Ali, and he's actually going to give you some root work advice. Yeah, I think you got some really good. Uh, very practical advice from from Miss Cat. Some questions that you need to ask yourself, um, and then some a fantastic reading by by Angela there. Um, I have a couple questions of my own before I can give you work advice. Is one, uh, do you have an altar at home? Do you have any, do you have a kind of a setup that you work with, or are you um, you know just starting from scratch? Uh, yeah, I have an altar mostly for ancestor veneration. Great. So that's the connection with the dead that uh, Angela saw there. Um, a couple things just in terms of just very practical advice, and this is from a person who does work for people. There are uh, There is a surge in interest in people who want to kind of put up their shingles, uh, put up their shingle, I should say, uh, and, wants, and, and want to do root work and reading and spirit work for other people. And that's fantastic. It's a big, beautiful world out there. And, and more people are getting interested. Um, before you do any of that, you have to ask yourself, what is your motivation for doing it? And be very clear about that. Um, and also ask yourself if you're ready to undertake this work, because there's a level of service involved here. It's not just a business, and we want you to thrive and have a thriving business. That's great. That's a fantastic benefit of doing this work, along with the independence, etc. But at its heart, it is... Uh, an issue of service. Do you have a community to serve? Is the question that I would have a- I would ask here. And and if the answer is yes, then that's a good thing. And if the answer is no, that's where you start first. Is to find and build that community. That's necessary because you you're not just opening up a shop. You are going into spirit work that involves being a member of a community, of working for that community, of being a service. Should you decide to do this, you should start off in that spirit. You might consider doing uh, root work at a personal level, root work for others in exchange, uh, doing work for each other, um, or something along those lines before you build it into a full-blown business. That's usually a good place to start. Now to the root work portion of it. What I would recommend is start off with a uh, bath of some sort. I recommend a little bit of master root, a little bit of star anise, and a splash of Florida water. You take the master root and the star anise, and you brew that into a tea. Both of these are really good for building that psychic connection, building the power component here. I would put uh, master root, star anise, and bay leaf. Put these all together, Bailey for clarity, uh, Bailey for uh, success. You're going to brew this into a tea, let it cool a little bit so that it's warm so that you can bathe with it. Put a splash of Florida water. The Florida water will kind of make it milky, kind of wash, you know, swirl your hand into that bath, and then stand into your bathtub and pour this over yourself, washing yourself, allowing it to really kind of settle in, and let yourself air dry. Gather a bit of that used bath water and sprinkle it off your property at a crossroads. I do recommend a crossroads because of its connections with 
the spirit of the crossroads, with the black man of the crossroads, who is kind of, the, in many ways, a gatekeeper of abilities and skills. So when you sprinkle it at the crossroads, let yourself airdrop. Um, I want you to begin a regular practice with your ancestors. So make this a weekly, monthly, whatever it is. You need to build that first. You have the altar, great. Make sure that you have a very regular um, spirit practice with your ancestors first. This is going to be your first line of defense for anything that's going to happen as you undertake root work for others. When you start to do work in this level of service, of spirit service, and working for others, uh, you're going to start off small and then eventually work your way up towards a business. You need to have the connection of your ancestors because you're going to be inviting in other people's worries and troubles into your home and into your life. And so your ancestors are going to act as a filter. They're going to act as a powerful thief that will ensure that negativity stays away from you, that darkness stays away from you, from evil spirits stay away from you, to help protect you and keep you safe, but also to give you clarity. They're the people you will turn to, to answer the questions that you need answered. They'll give you guidance when you need guidance. This is your your most powerful allies and the allies that want to see you succeed. So build with your ancestors first. Now, that doesn't mean all your ancestors and it certainly doesn't mean that all your ancestors wish you best. Work with those ancestors that are your allies. Find who they are. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's a whole group of them. But you want to build that relationship, and that takes time. You should be doing this for months before you even consider uh, taking on work for anyone else. Uh, and then I highly recommend that during that time, you can you keep some type of dream diary, some type of dream journal. This will help to build your language uh, for omens, signs, symbols, your divination abilities. It's very useful for people who are just getting into this practice. You have a very clear understanding of uh, some elements of astrology, obviously, based off of what you said here. Uh, your Pisces, Pisces are inherently intuitive and very good at at knowing what needs to be known. Uh, so trust your instincts, hone those instincts, hone the in- intuition, get yourself uh, a dream diary and work that at the same time that you're working with your ancestor altar. Together, these will form the foundation of you slowly building upwards towards working for others. And then once you've built your kind of spiritual skills, your repertoire, your allies, language for divination, the language for symbols, then you can start by, by connecting to a community, by uh, reaching out and starting to do work in, an, in a spirit of service towards other in exchange, uh, and then build that towards something like a business. Wow. All right. Um, that was wonderful advice. Um, Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to say one other thing, just real quick. Um, building a community does not mean on Facebook. That was it. <laughs> you want to really, you want to really find real people. Yeah. Facebook yeah. is not. Facebook is social media. It's not a community. All righty. Well, um, I guess we're going to go to Papa Newt and take our next client. Support for this programming is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. 
and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next client. And our next client is a return caller calling in from um, area code 602 in Los Angeles. This is Rise Above. Rise Above, are you there? Yes. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Hello, and welcome back to the show. It looks like the last time you called in was October of 2017, and it looks like that situation has changed. And... uh, and it looks like you've only the only readers you've had uh, is with uh, readings you've had is with Miss Cat. Is that correct? Yes, I actually had a reading with her like three weeks ago. Regarding so <laughs> something different. <laughs> certainly, certainly. And right above uh, writes, is my husband slash life partner someone I already know or or knew? How will I know recognize him? Um, I have been uh, wrong previously about men I've dated. Thank you for the time. Turn it back to you, Miss Cat. All right. Well, um, you've had readings with me, but this time you're going to uh, you're, <laughs> you're going to get a reading with Ollie and a reading with Angela on these questions. I will say it's nice to hear your voice again, and um, I think we need to just ask for their sake. What sign of the zodiac are you? Um, yesterday was my birthday. I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio. Mm. And how about how old are you? I just turned 32. 32. All right. Take it away, Ollie. Thanks, Miss Cat. I've pulled a few cards here, um, and I'm going to go over them to, to, to speak to your situation. Of, is the person that you're meant to be with uh, already in your life, in your orbit? Do you know them, et cetera? Uh, first, there's here the Nine of Wands, and the Nine of Wands speaks to uh, your situation very clearly. It is a person who has been through a lot. This is a uh, this is a young person who's leaning on a staff, and it looks like they've just fought through a wall of staffs, and they're kind of resting. There's a bandage on their head. This is an indication that you've been through a lot, that you've had experiences, and those experiences have not left you in a better, stronger place. Those experiences have left you somewhat hesitant. Those experiences have left you in a place of doubt. Those experiences have left you a little bit exhausted and wary. And so you're in a place of of, of, of recuperating, if you will, spiritually to a certain extent. Uh, and that's all right. You know, people often have this assumption that you need to come to find love only when you're in the best, perfect state. And you're, no, you find love wherever you can. Uh, and so be aware of that, that your past experiences are going to be a part of you. You simply cannot let them rule you, though. You cannot constantly be looking over your shoulder. And that's what the Nine of Wands really speaks about, that looking over of the shoulder portion of it. Uh, so some element of healing work should be done in what you're go- when whatever you're going to do going forward. And perhaps some root work recommendation along those lines can be useful. You're a Scorpio you're not destined to be alone in any way, shape, or form. Uh, most Scorpios can have practically anyone they want. There's always an enchanting and mesmerizing quality to a Scorpio. Uh, so some, along with healing, some type of bewitching work, some type of empowerment work will be very useful in your instance. The next card that we have is the Nine of Cups. From the Nine of Wands to the Nine of Cups, whenever we have a double number that appears, that's often a very clear signification. 
significant of, of a transition, of a, some type of energy that we're tapping in here. And here we see a person who's very self-satisfied sitting on a small bench, and around them are kind of nine goblets. And these nine goblets indicate the success and happiness that, that comes with them, the success and happiness that comes after you kind of uh, are made aware of the value of things. In other words, there are people in your life that are that are ideal partners for you. And I say partnership because the Nine of Cups does not speak in singularity, but says that there's actually multiple opportunities, multiple people around you. And so to be aware of them and to recognize their worth for what it is, uh, to enjoy the, uh, that for what it is. The Nine of Cups also speaks, to, reinforces the element of bewitching here, that uh, drawing in attention to you is going to be very good. So some type of attraction, bewitching, something that really draws eyes is going to be work very well in your favor. And then there will be a process of sort of filtering down the people that uh, it draws into you, recognizing that there is someone already kind of in your life uh, that, that could be a potential partner. The final card that we have is the Hierophant. The Hierophant is a card of uh, stability, of commitment, of initiation, and it sometimes represents marriage uh, or the formal sort of institution of marriage, if you will. We have a papal figure uh, sitting on a dais of some sort, giving a benediction before them, or two people, uh, two acolytes, one with lilies, one with roses on their tabards and crossed keys uh, at the floor. So yes, you will find a partner and you'll find one relatively soon, probably at the beginning of uh, the year. You'll start to see this so Jan around January, New Year's Eve time. You will have uh, some real potential manifest in your life. It will not be one person, though. It will be more than one person, and you'll have to make some type of decision about which one is best for you. So be aware of that, that this is the reality that we live in. There is no such thing as one true person that people are meant to be. But there's a lot of people that we have really deep connections with, and it's our choice and our decision to deepen that connection, to make it to make potential manifest, or choose not to do it. There's not that, that idea of only one person is... You know, I, I'm not a big believer in that. That's not to say that you can't find the right person. You certainly can. But there's going to be more than one person in your life, and you will choose between them. So what I see here is a sort of filtering process. You're going to draw attention from multiple different sources, and through some spiritual work, some healing work, you're going to be able to kind of bring that down, filter it to two perfect prospects for yourself, and choose which one is going to be right for you. Uh, and from that, you will have a meaningful and lasting relationship. The one thing I can say is that the person you are likely going to be with is going to be a water sign of some sort, and that you'll probably meet them around or probably develop into something more uh, lasting around the beginning of the year. So bear that in mind as, as you go forward, and it can help with your decisions. That's what I see here. I'm going to turn this over to Angela, and Miss Kat is going to give you some root work advice. Thank you so much. And thank you, Conjurman Ali. It's always wonderful to sit and listen to that sultry voice of yours. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> so I'll pull three cards for you. Um, one of the things you do have to remember, um, you probably already know this, but Scorpios do hold grudges. And be careful about how sensitive you let yourself be when it comes to dealing with people. Um, guard your heart a bit. 
Just a little bit, not a lot. So the three cards I pulled for you kind of go along that vein. Um, the Myrmidon comes up, and that card means the sudden change in conflict. So you may have someone suddenly jump up and, you know, champion you all of a sudden, and you're going, hey, look at you, boyfriend. He's a buddy. He's a good friend. He's he's probably not a bad candidate, but he's a good friend. Could be a girl, too. That's That stands up for you. Um, the paladin comes up, and that one is fighting the good fight regardless of the outcome. So, yes, you're going to have a lot of dates. Yes, you're going to be a little disappointed on some of those dates. Other dates are going to be really great, and other dates are going to be meh. So persevere through it, though. I mean, meeting people is half the battle. You can't just, you know, unless you're, unless you're, you know, Indonesian, you can't just, you know, have somebody picked for you and go off and marry them and hope you fall in love. Mm-hmm. Or there's other cultures that do it, too, but you know what I mean. And then the merchant is the last card in this one. And this one means a long-term investment. So this isn't going to be somebody that you meet on the fly and, you know, two years later you guys meet again. This is going to be somebody you you develop a real relationship with. It, it may even be your best guy buddy. You know, this will be somebody you develop a long-term relationship with. You've been friends for a long time, and then one day you kind of look at each other and go, huh. You know, so this person could already be in your life, which I don't believe so from what I've read. This person is somebody that you will be investing time in as it goes as it goes along. And, yeah, the uh, beginning of the year could be when you're looking at this person going, wait a minute, you know, and they're looking at you going, wait a minute. So they'll they'll come out soon. Just remember that you you need to persevere through the dating process. Um, Angela, can I ask you a question? What was yes. your second card? Uh, the second card is the Paladin card. Oh, it, the Paladin. In my deck, ah, the not, Paladin. Yeah, in, Paladin. Uh-huh. Yeah, in my deck, it's the Two of Swords, which is, I think, the Two of Wands for you guys. But my, my I, mean, I know, um, it's all confusingly different. I got that. Yes, mine's <laughs> okay, different than yours. Okay, so that's a knight. I got that. Okay, so um, so this is interesting to me because we're, we're getting some um, images here because one of the things that you asked was how can you know the person. And... Um, we had the Hierophant, which has the two acolytes, one wearing roses and one wearing lilies. We have um, the Paladin, who's a knight. We have the Merchant. These are, are images of people, and these are things that you might want to keep a lookout for. Now, when I say keep a lookout, oh, and Ali said also a water sign. When I look for people using symbolism that's given to me by a reader, I try to take the broadest view possible. If someone has a name like knight or paladin or whatever, um, or a name that translates from a different language as merchant um, or priest, hierophant, I would be very alert to that sign of the name. Just wanting to let you know that those are some of the images that came through here. And they are all... um, saying that these that you're going to have more than one choice. 
right? Another one, the man with the cups, is um, somebody. some people think of him as a restaurateur or a bartender. He's someone who is a host who is feeding people. And so, again, these are the ideas. You would do well to look at the cards and look at the in the different decks and see what you're seeing because you may see that person. Now, how would you know them? I'm going to um, give you a little bit of root work that you can do on any person, okay? This okay. is when you have someone that you either just meet that you're interested in or someone you've known for a long time, and maybe it's going to develop into something more, maybe not. And this is one of the very first spells I actually ever put on the Internet, and it's called a white candle love spell. And some people have heard it before, but I haven't actually mentioned it on this radio show in a long time. You can read it at my website online, but I'm going to just give it to you in my own words. You're going to get a little white candle, and I prefer that it would be a white 4-inch candle, but it could be a tea, tea light if you prefer. It has to be white. And you're going to um, dress the candle, and you're going to carve on it. And the lady who told me came kind of out of a sort of a Wiccan tradition. She said to use the thorn of a white rose to carve it because it's all about purity. And, in fact, I grow white roses, so you just pop a thorn off of one of them. You can even cut some of the roses. People say, where do I get the thorn of a white rose? Go to a florist. Say, I'd like a white rose, and I'd like you to pop the thorn off for me. They have little tools that they'll pop the thorn. Now, you don't need to carve it with the thorn of a white rose. You can use a needle if you want to be more down home. But you're going to carve on it that, in a spiral, all my love come to me. And you can also alternate that with a spiral with the person's name. So let's say their name is Red Barber. Red Barber, all my love come to me, whatever their name is, right? And you just make spirals like a barber pole. That's why I said Red Barber, I guess. And um, and you carve it around that little candle. You then can dress that candle with come-to-me oil. You can dress it also with clarity oil or psychic vision. I like clarity and come-to-me. You're not trying to force them to come to you. You're trying to get them to be clear on the topic. And you uh, light the candle. You call their name. And you have to imagine them. You have to sit now quietly. And you may dress in white also, or you may be naked. And it may be a good time to do it when the moonlight is coming through the window. Doesn't it be a full moon? You just want some moonlight there for some of that dreaming, visionary quality. And you now are imagining them in the moonlight, naked, as if they were naked, and what they would look like if they were desiring you. And I don't mean, you know, you got to imagine them with a, you know, a hard-on or any of that stuff, but just imagine them in a state of love, face of love, look of love. And you're going to burn that candle, and you're saying, all my love, come to me, all my love. Give me everything you have to offer. And you name that person. When the candle burns out, which can take up to an hour, you thank them, and you go to bed. You may dream of them, you may not. But when you see them again, you will know what they have to offer. If they phone you before you see them, if say the candle's burning and they phone you, well, they really are interested. And you do this with each person. And the person who responds, who calls you, who contacts you, who shows you a sweet smile and tips their head, who says, hey, how are you doing today, hon? Whatever. 
that person has responded to that call. And there may be more than one. Anyone who does not respond to the call, it does not mean that your spell failed. If they don't respond to the call, it means they literally had no love to give you. Either they've spent it somewhere else, on someone else, maybe their Labrador Retriever, or their wife, we don't know. Or maybe they simply have no love to give the world at all. And you can do this spell as often as you want. If you have a photo of the person, some people say, oh, put the photo on it. No, I recommend not using a photo. I want you to do it in your mind with your vision of what they look at. You can look at a photo first and then put it away. But what you really want to do is you want to spend time calling them in spirit, calling their spirit to you. It's not a coercion like you would do with a photo. You're not going to write their name down. You're just saying, all my love, come to me. And see what they bring you. Give them three days. If nothing happens, there was nothing there. If some time within that three days they contact you, they call you, then pay attention. You can do this spell as often as you want for the same person. In other words, Maybe they have developed more love. Maybe not. Okay? And, okay, okay. so anybody else um, of you guys have an idea of something to add to this? No. Apparently. Great. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's a very old spell. Oh, go ahead. I have just... Just one th- really minor thing. What's great about silver leaves is that you often uh, get some really clear indications in your dreams quite early on. Yes. So pay attention mm-hmm. to dreams when you're doing any type of work like this. And this goes for anyone who's doing new love drawing work of any type. Your dreams in particular will give you very strong signs of who that person is, uh, what's going on. You may even dream of that person. It may be someone you know that you're like, I never thought of them that way, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's something mm-hmm. that will happen in your dreams. So, you, so pay attention uh, in particular to the kind of dreams that you're having. Uh, write them down. Um, those are significant. Those are signs and omens and auguries themselves. The dreams that you have as you're doing this work or right after this work will give you a heads up uh, of which direction this is headed. Yeah, and don't do this more than three times on any one person. Yeah. If I mean, like I said, you can do it more than once. If you get no sign, nothing, person as silent as the tomb, for three days, do it again, do it again, and then you're done. That's nine days. If they don't respond, they're not, not, they're not, they're not offering you anything. Also, just one more quick thing. The two acolytes, one wears roses, one wears lilies. One of the people who approaches you will be more sexually passionate. The other one will be more cerebral. Just saying. All righty. Now it's time for our fabulous technical technological digital network schedule announcement. (laughs) The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com.
And now it's time for our free spell segment with Angela Marie Horner of AngelaMarieHorner.com in Santa Rosa, California. Take it away, Angela. Hi. Okay. So I was thinking, um, I have the free spell all together, and then it dawned on me when we got our first caller who would like to do this work but doesn't really know how. Uh, so I start off my permission, my my spell with ask your permissions and, and leave your offerings before entering the graveyard, but some people don't know what that is. So I'm going to elaborate a little bit on the spell that I have sitting in front of me. I use this one often. I have to get back into it, like I said, after all of the crazy happened. However, um, so in asking your permission and leaving your offerings, uh, my way of entering the graveyard is to take 18 pennies with me and a little bit of alcohol, one of those little single-shot bottles that they sell, you're going to put nine pennies down and pour out some alcohol while asking permission to enter the graveyard. And this is only if you're entering the graveyard to do work. If you're just walking your dog in one of those dog park graveyards, just go walk your dog. But this is for this spell. So you're going to leave your nine pennies at the gate, pour out half of the alcohol, and then you're going to enter with the intention of meditation and contact and communication. This is, this is the mindset you're going to be in as you enter this graveyard. You can even meditate beforehand, but, meditate, but the intention of meditation while you're in there. Also beforehand, you want to make yourself a little biodegradable packet of mullen, wormwood, and frankincense. Now, biodegradable, the uh, grocery bags are biodegradable. Um, something made out of cotton is biodegradable. Uh, I'm sure many people know many others. And you're going to take this with you into the yard with the intention to meditate. And go where you're led. Let yourself be spirit-led. If you feel led to walk over and sit down next to a grave, do so. This person's wanting to talk to you, wanting to commune with you, wanting to hang out with you. Um, the other thing that I would forget to mention to somebody who's new is bring presents for them. Bring a bunch of flowers. Even if you pick some little flowers outside of the graveyard that are hanging out, bring little flowers. And anybody who says, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here, you know, give them a flower. Talk to them. Say, tell them. Tell them thanks for acknowledging your existence. You could even bring your pendulum with you if you own one. Um, neutral pendulums are pretty good. I have one that's made out of a marbled black onyx. It's so pretty. I use that one. Onyx is good for spirit communication. Um, clear quartz is good for everything. Really good for spirit communication. Uh, lapis lazuli is not bad. Um, sodalite is even better. And you would sit with this, you would ask questions, and this is just the graveyard walk. This is not, I'm burying something. Uh, this is just, hi, how you doing? So you want to make sure that you are centered. I mean, if there's people walking around, go in a different direction than they are. Be alone when you go. Um, and if you're worried about it, pay attention to the signs. Like if it's a if it's a park, it'll say open from dusk till dawn. 
or open from dawn till dusk. It'll say what time it closes. Uh, if it has a big iron gate on it and it closes, you don't want to be in there when they lock up. You can do this during any time of the day or night, mostly because it's a graveyard. That's where they reside. Um, the absolute best time, which is why this was going to be done during Halloween, was Halloween, new or full moon, because the veil is closest on Halloween. Uh, day of the Dead, uh, from Halloween to the Day of the Dead, which is November 2nd, up until that space, that's a really good space where the veil is really close. And it's easier, especially if you're sensitive, it's easier to hear and feel the spirit. And upon the reason you take 18 pennies, upon leaving, you want to leave a different gate that you came in from if there is one. You go to this gate. Well, excuse me, I got ahead of myself. You go into the crossroads of the graveyard, and this is two mm. roads that cross either in a T, an X, or an actual cross. They don't have to be real roads. They can be walking paths. They can be rows in the graveyard. You're going to bury that little packet there, that you made before with the mullen, wormwood, and frankincense, you're going to thank everyone for their attention, and you're going to thank the guardians of the graveyard for allowing you in. Uh, this is a personal belief of my own. It's not just, for me, it's not just the spirits themselves who are buried there, but there are guardians of the spirits, people who... Well, not even people. They're not even not, – most of them weren't even alive as human beings. They are simply ideas and spirits or spirit guides who sit with the dead and keep them safe, keep them awake or help them stay asleep or keep them policed to their graveyard because they wander. Spirits of the graveyard, which is um, a culture I knew about that my auntie was telling me was uh, you cross your fingers – when you walk past the graveyard so the spirits of the graveyard don't come after you. Um, and that's what she was talking about was the guardians of the graveyard. When you go to your other gate, if there is another gate to leave from, you will drop your last nine pennies, pour out the rest of the alcohol, thank the spirits who spoke to you, thank the guardians for letting you in, and walk out. Do not turn around. You might even hear somebody call your name. If you hear somebody call your name, completely cross the street and then turn back. If you get that creepy feeling up your neck when you hear somebody call your name, don't turn around. Keep walking. And this is to keep them from following you home if you don't want them to follow you home. And most people don't. When you get to your sacred space, after you've done all this, you're going to sit and meditate. My sacred space has a black mirror in front of it. And so I'll sit and meditate on that black mirror and call by name the people who spoke to me and, you know, speak to them in that way. Uh, they will come to you in your dreams. That is how spirits can speak to us the easiest. And just pay attention to your answers. And that's that's the end of that spell. You can always add stuff to it if you're a professional, and if you're not, there's always things, there's always more you can learn. Wow. Mm. Well, that was wonderful. What a great introduction. Very great detailed work. Yeah. yeah, very detailed work, and, and 
lovely and and worthy of Angela, who you are. You're such a a very good spirit worker. All right. Well, we're going to turn this over to Papa Newton. He's going to give us our final announcements. I want to thank our clients for letting us read. I want to thank all the folks in the chat room. We've had quite a few in and out. Anna Gabriella, Angela L., um, and we have uh, Covet Gift 2, Dr. Sweets, Luminaria Star. All of you folks are really important to us. Miss Michael, Madame Bijou, and um, even the fabulous, mysterious Eye of Newt has been with us today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to turn this over to Papa Dune. Thank you, Miss Kat and Contramentally, and thank you, Angela Marie Horner of AngelaMarieHorner.com and Santa Rosa, California, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Rootworkers will be Miss Elvira of Elvira.com in Santa Rosa, California, bringing us topics on spell casting and fire safety. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rupert Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find us at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and contact at the Contraband.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Pop News, joining you from PopNews.com in Ohio, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rupert Hour can be heard every week live on Block Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available and archived via LuckyMojo.com slash radio.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strength of the Memphis Doug Band playing the Doug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you so much, Papa Newt. And uh, thank you, Angela, for being a wonderful guest on our show. Thank you, Conjurman Ali. I Always have a pleasure. almost nothing to report other than that if you're <laughs> expecting to get your stuff from Lucky Mojo this week, um, just wait, okay? Because we're trying to dig ourselves <laughs> out from these fires. And um, that's it. Goodbye. Good night. Good night. Bye. Good night. Bye.